Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Today, I have with me Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll, who wrote the book, Not Yet, that I encourage everybody to read after this show today. It's a fantastic book and a great read. He comes to his practice as an intuitive mentor from an unusual perspective. For 25 years, as an emergency physician in a major trauma center, he frequently communicated with souls who hovered between this life and the next. He saw people leave their bodies at the time of death and communicated with them. Their messages were always of love and hope. For two decades, Dr. Driscoll, O'Driscoll refused to speak about his experience. Dr. O'Driscoll's otherworldly communications began in childhood, shortly after the farm accident that took the life of his older brother. When I was 16, he saved me from what might have been a lethal car crash. Dr. O'Driscoll said of his brother's Dan Kill it still comes to me. He still teaches me. After publishing his award-winning memoir, Not Yet, and sharing his story internationally, Dr. O'Driscoll now meets clients for individual spiritual mentoring and sharing his many gifts, helping people to learn to trust their intuition. And that's what we do on Inspiring End of Life Conversations. Welcome, Dr. Jeff. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Me too. And we've just, we've been, me and Dr. Jeff have been talking a little bit before the show, and I'm just so excited to um, bring this all to you. So, Dr. Jeff, why don't we just kind of start from the beginning? So, you know, as a child, you had a traumatic event happen to you, and it sounds like it shaped your life a little bit, and you were only nine years old. But can you tell us about that incident that happened with your brother, Stan? Of course. It was a month before my 12th birthday. I was at home with my brother and my mother. And uh, my mother's father and her sister and uh, brother-in-law walked into the house. And uh, we lived nearby. The door was never locked. They were family. So they just walked in. But they had this profoundly solemn look on their face. I still remember. And my uncle looked at me and he said, where's your mother? I said, she's downstairs. And the three of them turned and went downstairs, shut the door behind them. And a few moments later, I heard this agonizing cry from my mother. Mm. And she learned that her oldest son, her firstborn, was dead. Okay. I'll never forget how that felt. It's just imprinted in my mind. I can still hear it today. But I thought it didn't really impact me that deeply. I thought I passed through my brother's death as close as we were. Mm -hmm. We were really close. Um, but as close as we were, I didn't think it really impacted me that deeply until 20 years later when my brother, my deceased brother, came to me and he mm-hmm. said, you have to go talk with our mother because there's things she's never told you about my death. Wow. 20 years later, that just 20 years, yeah. came through. And I, so that got my attention. I went and uh, I sat down with my mother one day and we had a long visit. And she told me for the very first time that she said, I always knew where you were in the house before Stan died because I could hear you singing. When your brother died, you stopped singing. 
And that was the first time I realized that it had a deep psychic impact on me, my brother's departure. Wow. Because children, you know, when children go through trauma, I was just telling somebody this the other day, you don't have the words or the emotional intellect, I would say, to be able to explain how you're feeling. So you just kind of go on being a kid. Yeah, that's what I did. And uh, a few years later, I got a driver's license and uh, I was going much too fast on a windy country road after dark with a couple friends in the car and no seatbelt. So I was probably going 60 miles an hour. And uh, a, a voice spoke to me and said, said you, you must slow down. And, and I don't know why, but I listened. It was like it wrapped itself around my soul and just made me hear it. And uh, I was in a really rebellious stage of my life. I wouldn't have listened to my parents or any authority figure. And I've joked in the sense that I, if, if God had been sitting in the seat next to me, I don't think I would have listened to him. But I was really <laughs> close to my brother. And, and I think that's who was speaking to me. I later concluded that was my brother talking to me. Yeah. And I think he saved my life that night because we went around a corner, uh, hit a Cadillac head on, dam- a lot of damage, but nobody was injured. I, don't, I think if I hadn't slowed down, we might have died that night. That sounds exactly right. And you say in your book, I love this, older brothers are older brothers even when they're dead. Yeah, he still comes to me. I, I'm a true believer of that. I, I really feel that it, it's just, as we will talk about, it's just the veil. They're there. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, my own mother, who I was so close to, I feel her all the time, you know, and with the wisdom that you have, and I, I really want to impart this on the audience, is the, the fact that they're not far and we can talk to them and they help us. And so, did you feel real surprised when that voice came through 20 years, on, 20 years later? That must have been, hmm, who's talking to me, you know? Was it more clairaudient, Dr. Jeff, or was it just like a, a feeling, a thought, a vision? Well, people ask me that a lot. Okay. And- as I went on later in my life, I started to see things, too. I started to see souls. Sometimes okay. I'd see them leave their bodies when they died in the emergency department. Mm. And, and people ask me about it. And the only way I can say it is I've had, I've had almost every experience you have heard described. I, I've had the feeling. I've had the knowing. Makes I've sense. the actual voice that I hear. Sometimes it's so clear. I'll turn around to see who's talking to me. Yes. And, and sometimes I see. And... I obviously don't see with my physical uh, eyes, but I experience it as though I am seeing it with my eyes. It's, it's that literal. It's that real. That's a really great way to describe it because it's, it's visceral and, and it, it, it almost brings in all of the senses at one time. Right? Absolutely. In, in okay. fact, uh, the word I often use to describe it is I say I experienced them. Yes, which leads me to something in your book that I really wanted to talk about. And I love it because it helps me a lot because like you, I haven't actually died and come back, but I've had a lot of shared death experiences, um, which I won't go into here, but my point that you talk about too is near life experiences. So we talk about near death in your book, shared death, and then near life experiences. Tell us what it means to you to have a near life experience. The reason I coined that term 
was because it fit with my own experiences and what I've had other near-death experiencers describe to me. Okay. When, when they are out of their body, mm-hmm. when, I, when I've had uh, profound shared death experiences, it's like you are more alive than at any other time in your mortal existence. It's like you're closer to this divine self that you are. You're, it, it's, it's like people, people who have had near-death experiences say they felt more alive than they did ever in the body. Yeah. And so that's why I call them near-life experiences because they're experiences that bring us closer to the authentic life that we are. Okay, this is so good. Okay, so so I'm putting I'm pulling all this together in my head. So the, when we when I was reading the book, something that spoke to me so much and actually talks of a near life experience. So you feel very deeply, and you have you know whether you're audient or clairsentient or whatever it is, you feel things deeply. And for those of us who do feel things deeply because of these shared experiences, I always question the fact that how could I leave the bedside of a dying person and feel so elated and happy and, and full of God and light? And what you talked about in your book was if you had a curtain and on one side of that curtain is birth, the other side is death. And when you're around it that's like that's like the gateway you know to the veil and when you're around it that light splashes onto you into this lifetime or an earthly life yeah, and that's so how it feels to me that's the metaphor i've used it's like when somebody passes if you're nearby when they somebody draws back that veil and they pass into that realm of light and glory and yeah and, and love and if you're close by if you're in geographic uh, proximity if you will some of that gets to splash onto you and you experience it for a few moments with them yeah, and, and and doesn't it sounds perfect to call that in your life experience because when we're around the birth of a baby, the death of a human being, or we see something like an orb or something, that you're living, you're alive. I have not, I'm definitely not dead. And it's something that I just get to experience because you're on that precipice. Right. Well, yeah. We, we hear people talk all the time about near-death experiences, but I had I had equally profound experiences when I witnessed a birth. It didn't matter whether it was a soul leaving this realm through that veil to the next, or whether it was a soul coming from the other realm into this life through the veil at birth. I, I had the experiences at both sides of that uh, spectrum. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's the way that I always know it to be true is, is because of the feeling that I get from whatever that event was. It, it changes me. And so, and, it, and it's a transformational type of experience. So, being, um, being a physician and working in a hospital, Dr. Jeff, how, how were you able to, because I know, you know, there's certain things, I worked in ICU and the CICU and the NICU, and, and there's certain things you just can't say. And uh, how, did, how did you handle that? You had a couple of friends, I know that, that kind of knew that, what you experienced, they experienced as well, somehow. Yes, I had one nurse in the 
and the ER. In my book, I call her Rachel. That's not her real name. Okay. Um, but she somehow sensed something in me and she started talking to me and she began to share some of her own spiritual experiences. And the thing she shared with me brought me to tears. Oh, wow. And uh, she got me to talk about some of my experiences. So she knew that I had this, uh, this gift, if you will. And one day uh, a man was involved in a horrible car crash in another part of the state took the life of his wife and his 14-month-old son and nearly took his life. He was flown to our trauma center where I was on duty, and I wasn't responsibility for, uh, responsible for his care. There was other doctors that were taking care of him, but I was in the department, and this nurse came and grabbed me by the arm, and she drug me into the trauma, and she said, you have to come. I said, why? And she said, she's there. I said, who's there? What are you talking about? And she said, his wife, she's there. And then I realized what she was saying. Wow. And, and the two of us walked into the trauma room and uh, this patient, uh, who is now a dear friend of mine, was unconscious yes. on the gurney and not moving. And his recently deceased wife was standing in the air above the gurney. And I experienced her presence. I saw her and she communicated with me. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> and... What did she say and what did she, what was the, the vibe that came through with her? Well, it was, it, was, it was as if time slowed down and the whole room got quiet for me. Everybody mm -hmm. else kept doing what they were doing, but for me, it was completely calm and peaceful. And she expressed her for profound gratitude for the care that her husband was receiving. Wow. I, I walked over to the gurney and I looked down at him and I checked the pulse in his foot and I knew he was going to lose his leg. But as I looked down at him on the gurney, I could still see her standing behind me in the air because I could see in all directions at the same time. Mm -hmm. And um, we sent the patient off to the operating room. I went back out into the other part of the department and finished my shift, went home and didn't think much of it. I never expected to see him again. Wow. And then a month later, this same nurse came and grabbed me and she said, we have to go tell that man what happened. His name's Jeff also, Jeff Olson. And uh, I didn't want to go tell him. I didn't want to talk with him because it was a personal spiritual experience for me. But she drug me up to his hospital room and she proceeded <laughs> to tell, share our experience that we had. And as he heard it, he started to weep because he knew it was his wife from the things that were communicated. And then he proceeded to tell us about at the scene of the accident before he was even extricated from the car, he left his body and he rose up above the scene of the accident. And his deceased wife came to him and said, you have to go back and raise our other son because there was another child in the car that was uninjured. At the time of the accident. Right. Oh, gosh. And so he and I shared these profound experiences with one another that one day, about a month after his accident, when he'd had several surgeries and his leg had been amputated. And, mm. and it's been almost 24 years. We're still very close friends. It united you. You know, it's, see, and I, I, don't, I don't know if uh, the first thing that came to my mind is that the two of you had this plan for quite some time or something. You know, it's just uncanny, you know, the way that, um, it happened, and your both names both being Jeff, and the fact that you taught each other so much. That's what I I learned is that it, it it was almost like you were you were teachers for each other. 
We still are. We still get together on a regular basis. In fact, I was with him yesterday morning. We we were part of a three-hour uh, Zoom uh, seminar uh, oh, wow. worldwide. We had a whole bunch of people, and uh, we still we speak together often. So when a person, you know, because he had a, a near-death experience, obviously. You know, he talked to his wife and she told him what he needed to do and he knew that he couldn't die and he knew that he needed to stay. And what is so beautiful about this story, Dr. Jeff, is the fact that the nurse gave him an opportunity to be able to not have to carry it for so long, like most NDEs do. They carry it for a really long time without talking about it. Yeah, I believe the average length of time is about seven years. Yes, because you don't know that anybody's going to believe you. And, it's, and and I do think it's a little harder for men than it is for women, you know, to have to come out and then say something like that, you know, especially after such a traumatic accident, you know. I mean, people could say all kinds of things, you know. And the fact that he had two clinicians, really, that were on the same page that were able to say to him, this is what we saw and this is what happened to you. It must have brought him so much peace. Some of his experiences outside the body during his out-of-body experience, uh, he, he, he came into the presence of the divine. He had a life review, if you will. He had much many of the uh, common elements of a near-death experience. And they conflicted with uh, what he'd been taught in his childhood. And so part of what we did that first year was we'd get together and have these long visits and I'd help him reconcile what he'd been taught all his life with what he experienced when he was in a heavenly realm. Helping his soul to heal. I know we have to go to break and we will. And we're going to talk more about this when we come back. Thanks so much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, and we're back with Dr. Jeff, author of Not Yet, and a man that has wisdom that he's just sharing with us today that is so beautiful and helps us in just so many ways. We're talking about, before we went to break, we were talking about your friend Jeff, and you were saying, so Jeff probably opened up to you a little, a lot about what he experienced on the other side with, um, he had a, a life review, which I hear is very common for people that have NDEs. And w- were you able to help him just from your years and years and years of, of um, being able to see souls leave in the ER, were you able to guide him and counsel him a little bit and bring peace to him as well with his NDE just from your experiences and shared experiences that you've had, Dr. Jeff? Yes, we would get together periodically and we would have long conversations. Um, That's good. I remember I had been through some really rough times in my life besides the death of my brother. There'd been some other things that were really challenging. And uh, when Jeff and I had our first real substantive conversation outside the hospital, Mm -hmm. I came home that night, I remember, and I wrote in my journal uh, for the very first time that I was grateful for my years in the darkness because I knew the answers to his questions and I knew how to help him. Okay. Wow. That, say that again. I was, I was grateful for my years in the darkness because of what I'd learned from it. And I knew the answers to his questions and I knew how to help him. And, and, yeah. and it was very important for me because it helped me realize that we go through horrible, difficult experiences sometimes for a reason. And sometimes the reason is to give us the empathy we need to help others. Yes, this is very important. And it takes a minute, you know, because I want to talk about in- empathy. When we're going through, like I say, we're in the dark you know, or or those dark times. I think sometimes, as long as you know, you're going to get through it and you're going to be okay, right? You're safe. You're going to be okay. This is a hard time. But the dark times teach us. Death teaches us so much anyways. You know, it's, it's so hard and it can be so sad. And I know when I left my own mom, but it was my, when my mom left and she died, it was my greatest teacher about my life. And what, and I, and when you're talking about empathy, so you tell us, what is your, tell us about empathy for you and how you learned about it. Cause that's a big, that's an important word, empathy. I learned about it 
the hard way, the long, painful way. <laughs> you went the long way, huh? Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, a woman walked up to me one day in a public place and said, where do I know you from? Oh, boy. Uh, and we had that conversation and come to find out I'd taken care of her husband in the emergency department a few years oh, okay. later. And so we figured that out. But in the course of the conversation, I learned that that husband had just died in a car crash a, a few weeks before, uh, just after she'd given birth to their sixth sixth child. Okay. Well. And uh, I wanted, I felt her sorrow. I felt the anguish that she was going through, the loneliness, the heaviness. And I wanted to help her somehow. And I didn't know how. About six months later, I was driving home from the emergency department in the middle of the night after a shift, and a voice spoke to me and said, is Rebecca's family less important in my eyes than yours? Rebecca's the name I use for her in my book. Okay. And uh, I, I said, no, of course not. And the voice says, then why should they be in yours? Oh. And I said, no, wait a minute. I, I said, because sometimes I argue with, the, with my messenger. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. We're talking about my wife and child, my children, because I had kids as well. I said, yeah. but they have to be my first priority. But as I'm thinking this, as I'm rationalizing it, I got this download, and I understood that the voice that was speaking to me loved all souls equally. Yeah. And that I should, too. Yes. And it's hard, though, sometimes, isn't it? It's really hard. Yes. And something moved me, Some something came to me from an eternal place. And I asked, I said, can I take some of Rebecca's spiritual burden and carry it for her for a while? Oh. And the answer was yes. And, and the heaviness, the sorrow, the loneliness, the pain, the grieving, mm. everything that was her life settled onto mine. And it went on for a few years. It did. Years. It was, yeah, yeah. It was so bad one day. I was in my house. I had to sit down because I thought I was going to fall down. It was so heavy. Oh, my gosh. And, and it closed in around me so foreboding that I thought I actually might die. Mind you, I'm a physician. I thought I literally might die. Wow. And the voice spoke to me and said, this is how Rebecca felt the day her husband died. So, so that's what I... That's what I mean when I'm talking about empathy. <laughs> okay. That's, a, yeah, that, I mean, people have, I, I, I'm very empathic and there's sometimes though, Dr. Jeff, I just don't want it. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I just that. don't That's want it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we see things and I was, I was actually just talking to a client about this yesterday. You know, it, it is a gift to be empathic. It really is. It's, we but learn you have how to, to learn the boundaries about it. Yeah, we do. We're protecting your heart sometimes, but you invited it in because you wanted to know, and that was the difference, you know. And I think that I tend to be. I know my husband talks to me about this too because my heart goes out if I'm in the car and I see homeless people. Sometimes I'm not the kind of person that can just say, "Well, they did that to themselves. They've chosen that life." Nope. I sorry, I can't. I don't think anybody in their true mind wants to live like that. You know, I, I just don't. But And sometimes certain people will just stay with me and I'm like, okay, if they want to stay with me, okay, then I'll say a prayer for them. And that's how I, I help myself sometimes if it's a heavy burden for me to carry. So, but I think empathy is a good thing to learn. I think we need it. 
I had an experience with a homeless man once. Oh, yeah. Now, Tell us that story. I've had, That's, I've, yeah. I've had a number of them, of course, in the emergency department. But on one occasion, when, when you mentioned about the homeless, it reminded me. Yeah. Um, I walked into a room to take care of a patient, and he was a homeless man. He was probably about, he looked about 55. He was probably actually about 45. He had okay. long hair and a beard and disheveled clothes, and uh, his shoes were in bad shape. He'd been out walking around in the snow, and his feet were in rough shape as well. Mm. He, he struggled with addictions. He, he had all kinds of challenges. And I knew what needed to be done. He did as well. We were the only two people in the room. I grabbed a wash base and I filled it with warm water and squirted some soap in it. And I sat down at the foot of the gurney with a wash rag. I removed his shoes and the last threads of his socks. And I lowered his feet into the water and I began to wash his feet. Oh, yeah. And everything that was earthly or temporal or physical was drawn aside. And I saw who he was. Mm. I saw his divine nature. Mm. I, I've said before, and I feel still, I was in the presence of God. I would I, agree with that. I, wa- I walked into the room thinking that I was going to serve this man. And I walked out realizing that he was there to minister to me. Yeah. He was the antithesis of everything the world defines as success. And yet I knew that I was in a divine presence. Mm. And the reason it was so powerful for me was because it changed the way I view, I have viewed every soul since that day, because yeah. that's who we all are. Yeah. I, we're, I, all, we're all sitting next to God, whether we're sitting in church or in the gutter. That's right. This is so right. So, I'm just in awe right now because I, I'm just thinking of, of what you're saying. And when I've made contact, you know, a lot of times for myself, if I make eye contact with somebody, I try to, especially when people are sad. That, you know, before the show, you and I were talking about judgment a little bit. And to me, you know, it's it's... On the earth, it's, I think, hard for a lot of people. They see homeless people and or people that are, you know, don't have any money or their cars are broken down and stuff, and there's judgment that goes with that. And what you're talking about and what you're saying is being in that, that divine presence as you're touching, touching a man who you could wash his feet, his shoes, he had holes in his shoes, and then you could see the holes in his sock, and then you could see the bruises on his feet that the tenderness and the kindness and the love and the compassion, the empathy that you gave him is being in that divine energy. And it's such a simple thing, Dr. Jeff, you know, it's such a simple thing that if we could all get that, and I know we can't help everybody in the world, but when we have an opportunity or the opportunity presents itself, then we need to take it because that's where we learn. And that's exactly what you did. I, th- I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's so important to be in spirit to help you know how and when to help. Because the help doesn't look the same for everybody. Some people might need a coat. Some people might need shoes. Some people might need you to say no. Yes. As hard as that sounds. 
Um, I, I was with a friend of mine at a, a conference. She was teaching a workshop. Her name's Mary Neal. You may have heard of her. She, she ha- she's a physician who uh, had a near-death experience when she drowned on a kayaking trip, and she subsequently wrote a New York Times bestseller uh, about her experience. I, I was with her, and we were in this workshop, and yeah. somebody asked her, do you ever feel guilty about not being able to do enough? Wow. And, okay. and they were talking about homeless people in particular. And Mary looked at this woman, and without any hesitation whatsoever, she looked at her with the most sincere look and said, I never feel guilty. I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. Yeah. We have to be connected with spirits so that we help the right people at the right time in the right way. And we never need to feel guilty because we're only asked to do what we can do. Yes. So paying attention to that voice. When do you find that, I mean, in our world right now, it's what you hear people say about meditating, it's hard to get the mind quiet and things like that. But many times, as you know, that that voice comes through when you're driving or watering plants, or for women, a lot of times it's putting on makeup, when your mind just kind of goes blank, and then there's this something that just begins to happen. That's what it is for me. You know, it's not when I sit down and I think about it. It's it's when I just decide that I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths, open up, fold the laundry, take a walk. And that's a lot of times when it comes in for me. And I love it. But it's about getting quiet so that you know what you just said, how and when, because we can't help everybody. It doesn't help them sometimes to help them. Helping them is meaning not to help them because they need that more than they need what, like what the man that needed his feet washed. The how and the when is really important, Dr. Jeff. What would you say to people that are trying to like figure that out? Like, how do I get to listen to God? How do I get to listen to my divine self? What would you tell them? I often, I, you know, I meet with clients now. I have clients around the world on five continents. I do a lot of my work via Zoom now. And I often meet with clients who think they've never had a spiritual experience or they mm-hmm. want to improve their gift. They want to understand how to hear and listen and be more responsive. And I often will give them a very, very simple exercise to try. Okay. I'll tell them whenever you're getting centered in the morning, whether it's through prayer or meditation or whatever your routine is to get connected for the day, Ask this one simple question. What can I do today to serve someone else? Mm -hmm. And I promise you, you will get an answer. It might come as a flash in your mind of somebody's face. It might be a passing thought where you go, oh, I I need to text so-and-so and and just let them know that I'm thinking about them. It might be an inclination to stop and pick up uh, some uh, flowers or a little treat for your spouse or something like that. It can be, and, and when you start to act on that, when you stop dismissing it as a coincidence or a passing thought and you say, oh, that was an answer to my query this morning. When you act on it, the next day it comes more clearly. Comes and, a week, and a week later, it's, it's something more that you can rely on and trust more clearly. So, this is so I'm going to read something from your book that kind of goes with what we're talking about right now and I wrote it down because it it's the empathy that you have 
and the way that you move through life, Dr. Jeff, is just such a, a, a great learning lesson for the rest of us. You know, and I know none of us are perfect and we are human, but when you, what you just said just now about maybe having a query in the morning and what can I do to help someone and then act on it. It's very simple. It's very simple and it's really beautiful. You say here, as important as, important as it is to understand who I am, it is equally important to understand who my neighbors are. When I see every broken, struggling soul as a child of God and a divine sibling. Love that. And that's how we should treat our brothers and sisters. You, when you think about it in your own little immediate family, you know, my brothers and sisters drive me crazy sometimes, but I love them and I would do anything for them. God's, uh, so struggling souls, a child of God and a divine sibling, God's already knowing about you're learning about the treatment of others. hope I said that right. You behave better and you treat others better when you're in service. I just think it teaches you not to be so angry and it teaches you even more empathy when you're doing exactly what you just said. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I'm always cautious when I give this advice or this little exercise to women because women are so inclined to service anyway, sometimes they forget that they have to take care of themselves as well. And so sometimes I adapt it a bit and I suggest when you ask in the morning, say, what should I do today? And mm-hmm. it's not, and, and leave off the other part because on occasion I've asked that and, and I was told, on one occasion I was told, enjoy this day which I have given you. And I realized, oh, I'm not supposed to go out and do something for somebody else today. It's about self-care. It's about nourishing and taking care of myself. And that's important, too. Yes. And, and that came with the same query in the morning. So it's really listening to it and really, you know, being in acceptance of what's there and trusting it and then acting on it, which you did. So if, if we were to tell people, you know, do the, um, the query in the morning, trust it, accept it. And then act on it and right. see what happens. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Okay, we're going to go to another. Asked me, somebody what? asked me, do you do that every day? I said, oh, no. <laughs> and they said, why not? And I said, some days I don't want to know. No, I would. <laughs> you, get, you, get to, you, get to, you get to pick. You get to choose. You know, we do have that. So let's go to break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk more. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. 
Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to inspiring end-of-life conversations if you have a question for nina impala or her guest today call into our program at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to tutoring for the spirit at gmail.com now back to this week's program Okay, we're back with uh, Dr. Jeff and his wonderful book, Not Yet. And uh, I wanted to talk Dr. Jeff a little bit more. So we were talking, um, the audience, So we're, we to tell you that we were talking about trusting your intuition and trusting when these, these thoughts, visions, whatever it is, comes through. We all have this. And I'm sure many of you, as Dr. Jeff said, have probably had some spiritual experiences that you just maybe haven't talked about or haven't realized that what they that's what they are. And Dr. Jeff, this has happened to you before. It's happened to me too. And I, there was a story that I read in your book that I really want you to talk about. And it was when you were guided to act on something that you had driven quite a while to go to. Yes. Um, it came to me with just uh, a few words. I was told the name of the place and, it, and the voice said, go to this place and uh, it was, a, like you say, a couple hours, two and a half hours away, I think. Uh, and I thought it was strange. Um, there was an event going on there. I knew about that. So I made arrangements to go. And uh, I had some confirmatory stuff that happened, like uh, somebody called me up the next day and said, I have your tickets. I said, what tickets? And I said, the tickets for this event. Was, oh, that's right. Yeah, it all really yeah. came together easily for you. I remember yeah. now. Okay. And so I get there. And I'm sitting in this event, and there's this couple that I met in the parking lot waiting to go in. We were standing in line together. And this woman had been uh, married to her husband for a few years, but she really wanted to have a religious uh, confirmation of the, of the marriage. She wanted to have a religious ceremony, and he, he was reluctant to do it. And uh, while we were sitting inside I got this the voice came to me and told me that I was supposed to tell her husband it was time for him to take his wife and get this religious marriage done and I'm going what are you crazy because it's like I say sometimes I argue with my voice and the voice said it again and said no this is what I sent you here to do and if you don't do it you'll be held accountable and I was I squirmed through the whole event because it was so uncomfortable I can feel it in the book in the book when you read the story in the book you can feel how uncomfortable he is (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And so after it's over, we file out of the building and I see these, this couple standing over under a tree on some grass and I walked over to them and I couldn't even tell, I couldn't even verbalize <laughs> really why I was, what I was going to say. I just looked at mm-hmm. this guy, this man, I looked at him and I said, it's time. And he looked at me and he started to weep and he said, I know. And he embraced me. And uh, I had this profound spiritual experience driving home from that. And uh, several weeks later, I got a, uh, a letter from the woman talking about their marriage that they had at a religious uh, sanction of their, of their wedding and how profound it was and thanking me for listening to heaven. Doesn't it just blow your mind? It blows your mind. It really does. How There's definitely like an order or a cadence to things sometimes when it comes to us getting messages to people. Don't you think it's going to happen no matter what we try and do not to make it happen? Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting one day, early one morning, I was studying some ancient texts, which I often do. I I, I learned Hebrew so I could study the Torah better. I tried learning Greek because I didn't get very far in that, but I love studying ancient texts. And I was doing that one morning and spirit spoke to me and said, go see David. I said, okay, sure. And I went back to my studies. And a few minutes later, the voice came again and said, go see David. I said, yeah, I will. As soon as I finish my studies, I'll go. And I went back to my studies. And the third time the voice came and said, go now. (laughs) I said, okay, why didn't you say that the first time? It would have saved us both a lot of trouble. And uh, so I got, I got up, got dressed, uh, got mm-hmm. in the car and went. And I, I went to the office where I knew he'd be. And uh, as I walked up to the reception area, he, his door opened, his office door opened, and he came walking out of his office, putting on his overcoat. He was about to leave. If I'd have been 30 seconds later, I'd have missed him. Wow. And, uh, and we the voice back. kept up. It made sure. Yeah, uh, and we went back in, sat down. We had a conversation. I shared the message I'd been, I was sent to share with him. We had a, it was a wonderful experience. But if I'd have been thirty seconds later, we'd have missed each other. Yeah, it's it's you know once you tap into this and like you say and you act on it, that was really beautiful that you said that because I think that's an important message to get out to the audience because I think a lot of times. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten hit in the head with lightning or anything, but if you hadn't have shared the message, but you definitely know that it's important. And I, myself, I won't go into detail, but I've had the same situations. For me, it always happens in restaurants with waiters and waitresses. I'm there to give them messages. And usually the people that I'm sitting with just look at me scratching their head going, how did you even know that? And some people, it embarrasses them. And, and But the receiver of the message is always very happy and very grateful. Yeah, so, in my experience as well. And it's literally a tap on the shoulder for when I know when it happens to me, It's there's no ignoring it. Like they tell you three times and the third time it's go now. And it's for me, it always feels like we're counting on you. We chose you for this. I'm like, okay. But I'm usually very nervous as well because after all, you're taking messages from people that you can't see. <laughs> You know, or that you've never met before, but you just know that it's true. And uh, it, it really is beautiful. I'm laughing while I'm talking about it because it's really beautiful. It really is. And I'm grateful for it. I am. But it's it can be a little challenging at times. It can be. And uh, sometimes it's humorous, fortunately. Yes. Do you feel um, that Stan comes in 
more now than normal because of what you've gained in your life? You're understanding it better. I mean, is there any difference there with your relationship with him or is it just kind of, you know, the same? Or do you think it's different? I guess I could say that different. He still comes and teaches me things. And it's been my experience early on years and years ago. I thought I had no control over it. I thought that these spiritual experiences just came when they came on their terms and that I had no control over it. But then I learned I don't control the spirits necessarily that talk with me, the the beings of light, if you will. I don't control them, but I can control myself and I can make myself more open to it, more prepared, more willing, more receptive. And the experiences are more frequent and more powerful and more clear when I make myself available to do it. Okay. Would you ever say that if you, maybe uh, I, I um, have another guest on my show sometimes and he consecrates his sleep sometimes, he says, and other times he just wants to sleep. You know, do you ever ask them to give you a break? Like I need to rest tonight. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, Sometimes what I learned, this isn't always the case, but many of the messengers that come to me are people that I have known or that I'm connected with in some way who are no longer in their physical form. Okay. And what I learned is if somebody in physical form comes to you and wants you to do something uh, and you can't do it, you can say, you know, I'd love to help you, but I'm not able to do so, at least not right now. Or they don't come to you in the middle of the night in physical form. They don't call you up at 1 a.m. and say, hey, can uh, you take me to lunch tomorrow? You know, there's some boundaries. And what I learned is just because people are out of their physical form doesn't mean you can't communicate with them clearly. You can't set some boundaries about the relationship and put some limits on you, what you can do because sometimes you just, it feels overwhelming if you don't establish some boundaries. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. There, there's def- that's definitely something that, you know, when the gifts are there that you, you have to have a little bit of a break. And I love that you say, you know, whether they're over there or they're over here, it's something that you could still do, which makes perfect sense because. Think about it this way. Um, One of my friends that I've been a friend, we've been friends for 40 years. His father died a while ago uh, at a young age and he was going through something really rough and he came to me and he said, I just wish I could talk to my father about it. And I said, Mm -hmm. why don't you? And he, he grew up in a very, uh, rigid kind of Christian tradition. He said, well, we can, we're only supposed to pray to God. We, we can't, we worship God. Yeah. And, I, and I said, listen, Kevin, if your father was still alive and you were going through this trouble, you'd drive up to his house and sit down with him and you'd ask him his advice, right? And he said, yeah, of course. I said, you wouldn't be praying to him, would you? He said, no. I said, you wouldn't be worshiping him. He said, no, of course not. I said, you'd just be talking with him and asking him his, his advice. He said, yeah. And I said, well, you can still do that exact same thing. Just because he's not in his physical form doesn't mean you can't go to him and ask his advice. What a good example, Dr. Jeff. That's great. That, that, I think that really just summed it up perfectly. It's, it, yeah, it, it's, it's true. You know, and I think people that have had 
you know, like you've, the work that you've done with near-death experiencers and shared experiences and all the, these things that we're really realizing. And that's what this show is about, too. It, it, it's, you don't really die. You just go to this other life. Yeah, this other life that's wonderful and glorious, and sometimes when you experience too much of it, it's hard to be content in this physical form. Because <laughs> uh, one of the things I struggle with at funerals is I have an envy for the person <laughs> in the casket. Oh boy, do I know that one? I go past the cemetery. It's like, oh, someday will I be there? You know, I know. I know. Isn't that weird? It's kind of a weird feeling and people think I'm odd, but I don't care. You know, when, you, when you've had the experiences that we've had, and it's also very comforting to know that. Like, whenever I have to go leave this world someday, I, you know, I'm going to miss the people that I love here very much. But I also, because of the work and the things that I've done in my life, that I'm very content with where I'm going to be going. Literally, just feels like you're going on a, you're you're just going to go to a new place for a while. I had an experience just a couple of years ago. That's not in my book, so you won't have heard this before. But okay, about two years ago, my brother came to me again, and he, I was in meditation, and he touched my hand, and when he did so, the building I was in faded away, and I was just in this profound, wonderful, glorious place. And oh and he led me around. Uh, I think a lot of people would describe it as heaven. He showed mm. me my life and he showed me where my life had changed its path in a significant way in several places and he he showed me he gave me an understanding now how he had intervened on those occasions on my behalf oh my goodness and then he showed me the day he died but he showed it to me from the perspective of my parents i was no longer an 11 year old boy i was my mother and my father and i experienced what they experienced the day he died hmm. And then he looked me in the eye and he said, go tell our parents not to be sad anymore. Yeah. Tell them I'm fine and I want them to be happy when they talk about me. How long ago was this, Dr. Joe? About two years ago. Really beautiful he'd, he'd stuff. Been, he'd, been, he'd been dead for 45 years and that was his message. Go tell our parents not to be sad anymore. He could, the, the vision that I get when you're talking about that is he could see their hearts and there's still tears. Yeah. Dropping off of their hearts is what yeah. I see. Exactly. Mm. Tell us, tell us, I know we're getting close to the end of the show and I, I could I'd literally talk to you for another hour. I um, Tell us what you're doing and how you help people and where you're at and uh, anything that you'd like. Um, when I left the practice of medicine, I don't see patients in the ER anymore. Um, I, within a few weeks or a few months of leaving medicine, uh, I woke up one day and I understood it was okay for me to talk about these things that I'd held sacred and quiet for a year. And uh, shortly after that, I'd written my book. Okay. Uh, I was on my way to my first formal speaking engagement. And I had a stack of books in my bag. I was in the airport and this young couple approached me and asked me where I was going. And when they found out what I was going to be speaking about, this young woman, her countenance just changed. And she looked at me and she said, my grandfather just died. Oh, wow. me a couple of times and I understood that it meant something for her to have somebody to talk to and she knew I believed her yeah I had seen my I had estimated I'd seen in excess of 60,000 patients by that time in my career 
on on the plane that day on my way to that speaking engagement the spirit spoke to me the voice came to me and said you will help more people with this book than you helped as a physician in the emergency department it's beautiful and that changed my whole life and gave me a perspective for what I'm doing now, helping people one-on-one and as I speak and as I write. Well, you are truly um, a gem, and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. You're at drjeffodriscoll.com. Is that correct? Just jeffodriscoll.com. Okay. Jeff or helpingsoulsheal.com. Okay. Everybody get that. Helping Souls Heal. Dot com or Jeff O. Driscoll with two L's dot com. And uh, this website is beautiful. The book is amazing. And it has been my great, great pleasure to talk to you today. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. You're welcome, Dr. Jeff. Take good care. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.